Dudes Talk Sports, hosted by Will Thomas and Chad Tujak. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Dudes Talk Sports. Today it is just I, it is the lone dude talking sports, Will Thomas. Chad is out today, so today we're actually going to be covering a different sort of topic. I know we've been covering a lot more of technical basis with fantasy football, also talking about the different divisions and conferences within the National Football League and who's going to prevail, who's going to fail. Uh, but today we're going to switch gears. We're going to be talking about MMA. Now, I know that you're probably wondering, hmm, what what credentials does this dude, this lone dude have to discuss sports? Uh, what, what validity what validity can can bring him this? And I uh, I will say that I once got beat up in the fourth grade, uh, so I got that going for me. Uh, and when I say beat up, I mean the other guy uh, had uh, a few more of the oh moments from the crowd, which is pretty much how you win you know fights in grade school. Uh, but really, it wasn't really a fight. It was just two dudes kind of holding each other in a headlock, and then I fell, and it's just embarrassing all around. Uh, but aside from that, I also have taken a few uh, Taibo classes and watched a Krav Maga YouTube video. So therein lies my uh, my credentials, so suck it. And then here we are. We're going to be covering today uh, the UFC 227 breakdown, the uh, the throne the, the dethroned champ, Demetrius Johnson, as well as uh, uh, TJ Dillashaw, uh, pretty much stamping his his uh, rivalry with Cody Garbrandt. We're going to be talking about a potential super fight down the road with them and then covering some upcoming events, uh, including UFC 228 with Tyron Woodley and Darren Till, as well as the humongous news of Connor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. So we're going to be covering that on this one. Uh, I know, you, I mean, again, you're not going to have a back and forth dynamic. Chad's sitting tight. So it's just me today. So let's get into it. Uh, UFC 227, man, there was a lot of storylines that were finished and a lot of new chapters that were started, and you can't really ask for a better card uh, for the sake of time being. We're just going to discuss uh, the the two, the co-main and the main event. Um, occasionally, I mean, that's mostly what I'll be doing, but occasionally I'll dip into some undercard fights, uh, the ones that I loved, and as well upcoming fights, which ones aren't on the main card that I, that I feel are going to be a dynamite fight for you to watch. Uh, so let's start off with the co-main event. Henry Cejudo, an Olympic gold medalist who got starched in the first round against Demetrius Johnson in the previous fight. Shocks the world. Takes Demetrius Johnson the full distance, hangs with him the entire way, implements his new Lyoto Machida you know, karate style uh, that, he, that he had his last fight, and he looked good and... Took the split decision over DJ. Uh, you know, DJ was the nine million time defending champ uh, for the flyweights, and uh, man, Cejudo looked great. I mean, there's nothing really too much else to say there. Uh, he just looked great. Uh, I mean, he was the one constantly pressuring uh, DJ. Uh, I mean, he had him against the fence. He he did a lot of groundwork. He really imposed his will. You could see his strength and his technique where you didn't see that uh, beforehand. Uh, in their first fight, you kind of let you saw DJ kind of dictating or dictating the pace, and that was kind of the same thing in the first round when they were feeling each other out uh, in this match. Um, but you know, as soon as Cejudo got a hold of DJ and put him on the fence, man, it, it was kind of like night and day. It looked like a completely different fighter, uh, and that happens a lot with a lot of Olympic caliber athletes, especially when they transition or transition to MMA, um, and just any that of that caliber athlete. But they grow leaps and bounds. So what you saw in Cejudo the first round was nowhere near the level of what Cejudo is now. 
Um, and Suhudo really, he tapped in. He found his way. He found his, his natural kind of striking form. And he has a very open, loosey-goosey style, like I said, like Lyoto Machida. And, he, and DJ, I mean, he put the pressure on him the entire time. And I think... I mean, it, it's one of those debatable decisions that can go either way, whether you're a fanboy of DJ or you're a fanboy of Suhudo or what you're really looking for. Uh, but I think Suhudo really pressed the action, um, especially towards the mid to later rounds. I know DJ really pressed it on in the beginning. Uh, but I also know apparently that DJ he tore a ligament in his kneecap, so that could have easily affected um, if that's true. Um, so I can see this instantly becoming another rematch. But, uh, man, Suhudo looked great. Uh, he looked like he kind of solved the uh, the Rubik's Cube um, of Demetrius Johnson for the time being. Now, again, whether that's, you know, whether that's in due to DJ's potential knee injury, who knows? Who knows? But Sahuda looked great and then, again, shocked the world um, and, and, and taking down the longtime champ. Which brings us to TJ Dillashaw versus Cody Garbrandt. Two. Now, again, this is these are back-to-back two fights. Uh, you know, Sahuda had already faced DJ beforehand, got dealt with. And Dillashaw had faced Cody Garbrandt and dealt Garbrandt. Um, what I was most curious about leading up to this fight uh, for the bantamweight belt was, man, the thing that makes Cody dangerous is the thing that made Liddell dangerous. When when he sniffs blood, I mean, he just he turns into full shark mode and he goes after him and he often gets it. But he also you know he he puts himself in danger a lot of times in doing so. Because uh, he's all offense, and I also know that when somebody gets knocked out, I, man, there, there's there's a bunch of ways to that people typically process and go about it. And I was wondering if Garbrandt, man, he had all this hype going behind him, and not just hype. He had he had stats, he had facts, he had you know he had the proof was in the pudding between his former fights that he was just a bad dude. And so when he was Bantamweight champion, in comes Dillashaw, and then beforehand, beforehand video leaks of them um, sparring beforehand back when uh, TJ was at uh, Team Alpha Male, and you know Garbrandt clipping Dillashaw, knocking him down to the floor. They had been talking trash all about that, that video for a while, and that finally surfaces. And then in the first round, Garbrandt clocks, DJ, or clocks Dillashaw uh, with, with time waning in the first. Dillashaw goes down. Thankfully, the buzzer sounds. Saves Dillashaw from what may have been the finish, but given how Dillashaw recovers so quick, I don't know. Um, second round opens up. I heart back to what I just said with what makes Garbrandt so dangerous is when he smells blood, he, he just goes after it like a shark. Second round comes up. Garbrandt goes after him. Uh, ends up getting clipped by Dillashaw by a head kick and then a, a right hook, and then the rest was just history. So that was the first fight. Flash forward to the second fight. I tell you that to tell you this I was worried coming in that after Garbrandt had gotten knocked out after having all that hype and bad blood between Dillashaw that he was just going to want to prove that hey I'm better than you and you were only saved by the belt last time the reason why you have the belt is why is that that's that buzzer and I thought he was going to come out guns a blazing throw caution to the wind and just you know roll the dice and, and hope you know hope not for snake eyes and sure enough uh the, the bell sounds, they both come out, they're both tentative. Garbrandt opens up with some kicks, which looked really nice because I, I, I'm guessing he, him and his camp figured that they want to keep TJ at distance and really you know wear him down, and then you, Cody could utilize his hands. Um, but then in, in a brief dust-up, Garbrandt cracks Dillashaw and, and, and drops him again, just like the first. And as soon as that happened, I went, oh, no, because just like beforehand, Garbrandt rushes in, 
and he's just – I mean, Dillashaw said it best. Him and his team knew that when Garbrandt throws those right hands, a lot of times it's when he smells blood in the water. He's thrown right, drops his left. Right, drops his left. And, and, and he alternates strikes, right, left, right, left. But when that right comes, he's fucking putting everything behind it and his left hand's dipping down. And so Dillashaw, after you know a brief exchange, you could tell, yeah, he still wobbled. And then when they're getting back up, Garbrandt popped him with a few uppercuts, gave him a nice little mouse underneath the eye. Um, but as they kind of separate, another skirmish happens again. And you can see that Garbrandt tags Dillashaw and he just at that point, he just, you know, his his, eye, his, di- or his uh, pupils dilate. He goes full shark mode. He comes in, and he's just winging those rights. Right, left, right, left, right, left. And you can see TJ staying calmly in the pocket, like with his, uh, he has like a shoulder roll defense. And he's uh, he backs up, and he's not even, you can tell how composed he is because he knows exactly what strike he needs to throw. He's not throwing combos. He's not setting anything up. He's going, he's watching Garbrandt going left, right, left, right left, right, and, and Cody's going, or not Cody, TJ's going, shoulder roll, right hook, shoulder roll, right hook, shoulder roll, and in that one instant, he just goes, wham, hits Garbrandt as Garbrandt's coming in. Garbrandt goes down. Um, they get back up. TJ, uh, I think, hits him with another knee against the fence, knocks him down again, and then the fight's called off. Um, so that, that's 2-0 uh, for Dillashaw versus Garbrandt. Also, two times that Garbrandt could have had Dillashaw, but, I mean, a lot of people... We're saying the first one was a fluke and that TJ got, you know, or, you know, TJ got saved by the bell. And then this one, people were like, oh, Garbrandt could have had him. And he could have, but I mean, he could have, would have, should have. DJ or TJ has finished him twice now. Uh, so I think right now that, that pushes the kibosh on their rivalry, which is unfortunate because there's so much bad blood that I would instantly watch Garbrandt versus Dillashaw, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, so on and so forth. And who knows? I, I think that if Garbrandt continues the way that he goes about the previous fights, Garbrandt could, you know, win a few of them. But I think he just he puts he plays a dangerous game, and unless that first punch that continuously knocks down Dillashaw is the one that puts him away too, I don't. I I mean I don't know how many of those he wins. I think he wins a few, but I, I just don't know. I think it's you know he's rolling dice right now, and unfortunately the past two times he came up with snake eyes. So I'm gonna see. I'm really eager to see how he adjusts and kind of moves forward with that. I mean he. I have all the faith in the world that he can absolutely be back uh, to be the bantamweight champion. But right now Dillashaw just apparently has his number. Um, but you know, hats off to both of them. They're both warriors. They're both, you know, again, I'm a, a super fan of who got beat up in the fourth grade. So don't take my word without a little bit of salt. So with that, um, after DJ got upset by Cejudo, Cejudo, what I loved is he instantly grabbed the mic and he, he, he wanted to make money. So he goes, you know what? I, I'm, I'll tell you what I'm interested in Joe Rogan. I want a super fight of her. Or I want the I want to fight whoever wins next against the uh, the flyweights because apparently everybody wants two belts nowadays, which means someone's gonna want to make get three belts a la Saint Pierre if Saint Pierre could have just held the welterweight, the middleweight, and gone down to lightweight that would have been hilarious. Um, but Suero grabs the horn, wants to fight. Uh, he wants to fight whoever wins, which ended up being TJ. And uh, man, uh, it sounds like a fun fight. I'm not mad at it, but in the same regards, I don't. I I just I I instantly seeing DJ getting a rematch with Cejudo. Um, I love that Cejudo said no, they're not coming down here. I'm going up against them or going up to get them, and I and he said that for two reasons: one, so he looks like the badass that he is, and then two, 
because so we can get that second belt. Everybody wants that second belt, man. So, you know, it's BOGO belts at the UFC right now. So get them while you can. Uh, but, I, I again, I honestly think that DJ gets that immediate rematch. I mean, he's had 300 uh, title defenses, and it only makes sense for him to get it. But then again, who knows? Aldo never got his rematch against Connor, and I know he lost uh, lost the belt to Holloway and then lost the, the title match to Holloway again preceding that or following that. So he ended up getting his title rematches, but DJ has done too much for the company, too much for himself, uh, in order not to get that immediate rematch. So that's what I ultimately think happens. Uh, for Dillashaw, I hope it ends up being Dillashaw versus Marlon Moraes or Dillashaw versus you know a winner of Marlon Moraes or Dominic Cruz. I know a lot of people have said that, um, but right now I, Garbrandt was the contender, and I don't see Garbrandt. Uh, getting that immediate shot again, just because even though the UFC put a lot of of, of the, they put the the engine behind them, I don't think that the tickets are there. Um, just giving off just right now, you need to rebuild that rivalry back up um, to where people want to command to see it. Supply and demand, people. So now we move on to upcoming fights. That was UFC 227. We're going on to UFC 228. Just a few fights that I'm going to be super excited to talk about. Tyron Woodley, I'm sorry, Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till for the welterweight championship. I think it's a great uh, matchup, really contrasting styles. I think that for people that are worried that this is going to be a Stephen Wonderboy versus Woodley uh, affair again, I man, I, I just I think that's completely farce. I think that Darren Till is a beefier Wonderboy, but Darren Till will subject himself to that dangerous pocket uh, that Woodley really capitalizes on. Uh, Darren Till, he, he moves around just as technically as Wonderboy, um, but he'll, he'll go in and brawl. And that's that's not saying that Wonderboy isn't afraid to brawl, because he definitely will, cause, and he's not afraid because he's Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Uh, his, his technique is more of um, uh, an outside point fighter, um, but one that can really capitalize and put somebody away. Whereas uh, Till, man, he can he can point fight and he can also just he doesn't care. He'll, he'll go in there. He doesn't. He's not afraid to get clipped. Uh, neither is Wonderboy again. But it's just two different styles. I think Darren Till will really press more of the action. He's less of a like he is a counter striker, but he he doesn't have to rely solely on that. Um, and he's stronger. I, I think that Woodley again poses a huge problem not just with uh, Darren Till's. He doesn't have. I wouldn't say he was a weakness in, in wrestling defense, but. Woodley is he's you know the welterweight champ for a reason and primarily because of his gigantic physique his amazing wrestling and his dynamite hands I mean his right hand is just you know Herculean he'll touch you flick you and you're done um so I'm really excited to see that one obviously that's the main card upcoming for that but the one that I'm probably most excited about on that card is uh the return of Mr. Matrix Yair Rodriguez versus uh, an equally Mr. Matrix type fighter in almost f- hard to say name from a Scrabble standpoint, Zabit Magomed Sheripov. Yes, one take did that. Uh, and he's pretty much Yair. I mean, they're both, it's going to be a Matrix simulation when you watch this fight. So if you want to watch any fight, not just to order for the, the Woodley versus Darren Till, this fight is it. I mean, it's there's, they're literally going to be throwing... You know, excellent Chris boxing. They're going to be throwing, you know, a one-two parry body shot, and all of a sudden a spinning back kick is going to follow, and then a front kick, and then a crane kick. It's going to be nuts, man. It's going to be super nuts. I'm, so I'm really excited to see that. Two uh, two 
champion or championship contenders. I know Yair kind of got exposed against Frankie Edgar, but Frankie even said, hey, man, this guy's awesome. He's going to be a champ one day, but not today, just because there's levels to this, and he has to eventually get past that. And I think that that's where they're at right now. I think it's, you know, they're both at that crossroads. Again, this reminds me of um, there was a, a fight that Cody Garbrandt had against an undefeated uh, an undefeated contender on his way to the belt. I can't remember the actual fight for the life of me. I'll probably remember in a second. Uh, but, they, I mean, the other guy was 20-0, and he was a uh, – he was coming up. He was like 10 and 0 and he ended up stop. Oh, Thomas, Thomas Almeida and he KO'd him. And so I, I have, I think that this fight is just that you had two juggernauts meeting there and here you have two juggernauts that are just, they can do anything that they want. And, and especially striking wise. I mean, they're just, they have excellent crisp boxing. They have outstanding creative, uh, kicking technique. Their setups are just, they're second to none. Um, so I'm super excited to see that fight happen, uh, which leads us on to UFC 229 and the gigantor news of Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Man, uh, I mean, the, the name sells it itself, Conor versus Khabib. I know this has been rumored for a while, and it's been you know wanted for even longer than that, including before the uh, the bus incident with Conor. Um, Man, I think the clash of styles is going to be insane. And I think that people are worried that Khabib will continue to strike, um, which he did in his last fights against, uh, or last fight against Iaquinta when he won the actual belt. But I really, man, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I think that Khabib is more than smart enough. There's a reason why he completely mows through people with his style. It's because he's smart enough to realize, do what got you to the dance. What what got him to the dance is wrestling bears in Dagestan, you know, and so I don't think I think he did it against Iaquinta because he felt that this is a safe form or this is a safe venue in order to press against a dangerous Iaquinta and utilize what I've been training for with my strikes uh, to see where I stand at against you know not an elite striker but Iaquinta is a really good striker um, with with dangerous power and so Khabib kind of used that and so he kind of got critiqued on saying oh man he's not that great. His stand-ups, you know, he's utilizing his stand-up more so than not. Maybe he's falling in love with it. No, I think he was just, you know, he's being a practitioner and trying it out on a, on a grandiose level as a uh, competitor would. And I think that he has no uh, qualms in, in noticing that, yeah, this Conor McGregor guy is pretty good at striking. I probably want to sit tight on that. Uh, so I'll probably want to lean and use uh, the backbone of my skill set, which is just completely mopping up dudes on the mat. So I think that's in a, what ultimately ends up. That's what's going to happen. Um, I'm I'm absolutely sure that Conor McGregor has been you know drilling wrestling and jujitsu with this again being the long term goal fight that uh, as he's been sidelined. I think this is the fight that he's been wanting ever since he came back, or even before he came back when he's just kind of sitting on the side. Even with Mayweather when he was thinking, "What's my next MMA fight? I want to kill the king. I want to kill Khabib." That's probably what he was thinking. Um, Again, from a fanalist perspective, uh, but I'm, I really wonder if he's going to get, he's going to want to get in there and, uh, and force his boxing, which he undoubtedly refined for the Mayweather bout. And that worries me because if he does, I mean, Khabib's just going to be, like, yeah, cool. Check please. And he's going to take McGregor down nonstop. Um, but again, I, I'm sure that McGregor has been drilling wrestling and jujitsu for the latter, the better part of the last three years. Um, so again, you can do that, you know, until you know 
until the kingdom comes, but it's never going to stop Khabib from taking you down. But it can mitigate and if he can use offensive wrestling a la how Chuck Liddell did, where he can get down, sprawl, get back up, and then land one of those those crisp uh, straight lefts or anything like that, that's where his bread and butter needs to be. He doesn't need to, to be, like, obviously drilling on how to take Khabib down. Uh, he just, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's got a well covered. Again, take it from a guy who took a few Tybo classes. Uh, don't take my advice. I'm just worried. Um, but that being said, you can't write off Connor, man. He's had more than a handful of opponents on his meteoric rise uh, that were supposed to be the guy that exposes him. You know, it's like you had Chad Mendez. Oh, this is the guy. This guy is going to absolutely murder him and show it's like, all right, he's just going to wrestle him to the dirt. Chad Mendez, an all-American wrestler, is just going to suffocate him. And Connor does exactly what I said. He, he, he got taken down. He got taken down at will. And he definitely got exposed in that area. But he would pop up. And when he popped up last and landed that left or that left straight, boom, Chad goes down. And then he finishes off the fight. Uh, Jose Aldo was, again, supposed to. It's like, all right, this now he's at that elite elite tier uh, that, you know, even uh, that even uh, Chad Mendez couldn't beat twice. This is what's going to happen. I was going to beat him. I think it was like seven or th- no, 13 seconds. Boom. Straight left. Aldo goes down for the count. Champ goes down. Max Holloway, uh, before, you know, a lot of people forget that he beat Max Holloway on a, on a torn ligament in his kneecap or his knee. I think it was an ACL. Um, but he beat Max Holloway uh, when they were both rising up. And so th- he's had countless opportunities like Eddie Alvarez too. Eddie Alvarez was supposed to be the brawler that was going to turn into a dirty fight, but take him down at will when he wants to, that didn't go so well for, for Alvarez and Connor just continuously, continuously debunks all these people that are supposed to expose him. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to write him off. I can't, I can't, you know? And, uh, I guess last that I want to mention for this fight, who wins? What happens after that? Does the winner get GSP for the lightweight title bout? Mr. Steelio belt. He came up, took it from Matt Hughes. He came back, took it from Michael Bisping. Is he going to go down 9 million pounds drop to what or to, to lightweight, which he said he can absolutely do. And he's, he's more than, uh, been verbose about telling Joe Rogan on his podcast that I want, like when I come back, I always want to do stuff that's never been done before. I want to, I want to find the guy. They say, this guy can't be beat and I want to beat him. And I think that no matter what, even if you dismiss that GSP versus Khabib or Connor is going to sell mega bucks. And even if you want to acknowledge what he said with he wants to be the guy that, that beats the guy that can't be beat, that's the fight, man. It's like him versus Khabib is the guy that, that can't be beat. Connor can be beat because he's shown that he can be beat, but he's Connor McGregor, and it doesn't matter. And it's going to be one of those guys, uh, those fights that GSP versus Connor or GSP versus Khabib, it, it's going to be it'll be electric. So no matter what, I think that's ultimately what happens. I hope that's what happens. Um, but that covers my, uh, my, my MMA breakdown, my UFC breakdown. Again, this is a little bit different. Again, we're, we're, we're more so, or we more so go over the technical aspects of fantasy football and the intricacies of the NFL and current events on how that, how everything's working. But we love switching it up because this is dudes talk sports, not dude talk sport. And, uh, we hope that you end up liking this episode. So again, my name is Will Thomas. Thanks for joining us today. I have a few other side projects, uh, notably 
Packers Select, which is where I mostly discuss about um, the the state of the Packers, their rookie updates, uh, a lot of dra- upcoming draft, uh, a lot of upcoming draft prospect coverage, as well as just overall in season coverage of the Green Bay Packers. Uh, you can find that on all social media aspects at Packers Select, as well as you can go to www.packerselect.com and also on YouTube to search Packers Select podcast for our podcast or Packers Select, Green Bay Packers, whatever, and then you'll see one of our videos pop up. Um, Thanks again, guys, for joining us. Go to Packer Select. Go to Deuce Talk Sports. We're out. Later.